Through Courageous Conversations, the Third Thing podcast brings you helpers and healers who started out somewhere else and through life-changing experiences added something new to their lives, creating a third thing, ushering in a fresh passion to generate healing for themselves and others. I'm Stephanie Shockley, your host, and you're listening to The Third Thing. Welcome to another episode of The Third Thing Podcast, and my guest today is Maureen Doyle. Welcome, Maureen. Hey, Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) Maureen is a colleague and roommate at the Estuary. We share a room together, and we are in our room right now recording this podcast. Um, And we have the best room, don't we? Yeah. We've it decided really it's the best room at the estuary. It's got the, it's decorated the neatest and, and, has and we're the, the coolest two practitioners, right? Exactly. And the, and the room has the best energy. <laughs> it does. It does. So let me tell you a little more about Maureen. Maureen is a life coach, teacher, and author of the book, When Your Ex Does Not Follow the Rules, Keep Your Sanity, and Raise Happy, Healthy Kids. She helps her clients move from unconsciously living into a life filled with more awareness of self, others, and purpose. Through intuition, coaching techniques, and years of teaching experience, Maureen helps her clients rediscover who they are, what they want, and how to find the power within themselves to design a life that energizes them. She is a high-touch coach that will keep you moving forward. Her coaching helps you get from where you are to where you want to be faster than imagined. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here as well. This is great. Well, let's start with a question that I like to kind of ask everybody. Um, What's your spiritual religious background? Okay, well, I was raised Roman Catholic, and my parents are Irish, and this is the way I like to look at it. A lot of times people talk about their religious background. For me, it wasn't so much a religion that we practiced on a Sunday. Um, in my home and with, with my family, it was more like our culture. It was something that was part of our life every day. And the other thing about it is it wasn't, um, it wasn't like strictly religious in nature. I would say it was more spiritual. Um, we, no, no, the, the, the Catholic Church can have a lot of rules. Exactly. So sometimes that, I mean, and that's, uh, that's to me the definition of religion versus spirituality, that Religion has these man-made rules, and spirituality is more of an of an energy and a and a feeling and a and a concept than it is than it is rules and regulations. Right, right. I always mm-hmm. like to say those are man's rules; mm-hmm. those aren't God's rules. And so, I never really felt confined by my Catholic teachings. What I felt was, I felt very comforted in many ways by the ritual and the routine and it being like a universal church, meaning that whenever I travel, 
it doesn't matter if I'm in the US or abroad, if I feel like I kind of need a little bit of like a touchstone, um, I can always walk into a Catholic church, even if I don't understand the language, and I can just sit and, and feel at home. So there's a bit of that that goes along with it. And like I said, it's more of a, in a spiritual nature. I like that. That's, that's the same way I feel in the 12-step program. Right. I can go. I can go to any country. I can go to any city, any state, any country, anywhere, and walk into an AA meeting and feel at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And then that also that whole idea of being able to walk into a church. When I walk into a Catholic church, I may not also be listening to what's going on so much, but there's something about it where I can go in there and sit down. And immediately, almost like drop into this place of wordlessness. This almost like meditative state that I have practiced enough that I'm able to go in there and do it. And then uh, what I allow to happen or I'm open to is I start to have like intuition. It's like almost my internal guidance system starts to open up. And it's, it's just a really good place for me to connect. Well, and I don't know if this is what you feel, but it just sounds like that there's the the presence of the divine there Mm -hmm. that you're tapping into. Well, it's like almost the third thing (laughs) that I'm tapping into. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how does that, how does that, well, that kind of explains that in a way. I was going to say, how does that show up today? And my, my next question is kind of like, so when things are when things get kind of rough or how do you tap into that or how do you use use that because i think the reason why i ask this question is because i think i think those those beliefs we have do guide us through our lives mm-hmm. and help us mm-hmm. and i and for for me i went through a very difficult period in my life with um my marriage and my ex-husband and single parenting. And I was very grateful that I had a place to go where I could drop into this wordlessness and ask for some guidance. Like, what should I do next? And I was able to do that at the Catholic Church. And that's where it became such a... um, became such a common practice for me. And still today, I will, I will do that. Um, whether I do that in a church or I do that sitting uh, alone in my home, I'm able to drop into that space. But it took practice to be able to do mm-hmm. that. Oh, that's definitely a practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't come by this <laughs> This stuff doesn't come to us. I mean, we work we work at it, and we'll get th- we'll talk about that more as we go along. But yeah, it's 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 just a journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So I know when you were a little girl, you didn't say, "Oh, when I grow up, I'm going to be on the staff at the estuary and be a life coach and an author and a." So tell me a little bit about what you did before you got here, because you've done several things. You've had several careers. 
right? So many, so many. Yeah. I have really followed my curiosity and my joy. And that's something that I always share with my clients. Um, I always tell my clients that a big part of life is being able to tap into that place where you have curiosity, you have little sparks of joy, because that is your essence, that is your um, soul um, trying to speak to you. And for some reason, I was able to do that. And where that brought me was, I was, um, my background is in finance, I was in banking up in Chicago, um, but my curiosity led me to the West Coast and I stayed in banking and internal audit. Then my curiosity led me to American Airlines because I love to travel. And after that, I moved to Nashville with my um, husband at the time and became a mom. But along the way, I also, I'm a Spanish speaker, so my children. How did you learn Spanish? You know, I, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like up in Chicago, it was an odd thing for me to be so attracted to Spanish. I have a degree in finance and Spanish, and I don't know if I. I sometimes I wonder if I've had a past life in South America, because I, it was such a draw for me, and I don't know why, but I love Spanish so. Did you study it? I studied it. Okay. Yeah, okay. and I lived in Mexico um, in college. I went down there and did a okay. semester abroad in okay. Mexico. I just told my parents, I go, well, Mexico's calling me, I'm going. Which, you know, back then, you know, my father and I wrote letters to each other because talking on the phone was expensive. Yeah, it people were still excited about. Yeah, people still, still people wrote letters, and, yeah. and we still did all that. I still like to do that, but most people don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So what's interesting is I'm collecting all of these life experiences, and then here I am in Nashville, and the school where my children were students, um, they needed a Spanish teacher. They knew I spoke Spanish, and they needed a Spanish teacher immediately. So they said, would you like to do this? And I answered the call. I said, sure, I'll do it. Uh, I, I'm not a formal, I wasn't formally educated in, in, in education. I don't have that background. So I started to teach at the school and found that I loved it. I went and got my master's in teaching to gain that credibility and to learn a little bit more about my craft. And I ended up teaching for 15 years. Well, you are a great teacher. Mm, thank I've you. been in your classes and, and we have hosted a few workshops together and you're a great teacher so that's that it, it, that's a natural fit for you yeah well you know what's interesting I love to bring in a little bit of like uh, I don't know like the spiritual end of it our aspect of it I never thought that I would be a teacher in fact when I graduated from college I kind of looked down on it because I was a you know a big um, investment banking Chicago board of trade all of that big juicy stuff and I had a few friends that were going into teaching and I thought that doesn't sound very exciting. Well, it sounds like the the extremes of that. Right. I right. don't know. I guess. A little sexier than it, it was. Finance a, is a little sexier than teaching, right? It was whole. It was a whole lot sexier. But this is the funny thing. I think I ran into a little angel out in front of my 
apartment building. I was there with my father and there was an elementary school across the street from my apartment. And this little girl came up to me and she looked up at me and she said, are you my teacher? And I said, oh, sweetheart, no, I am not your teacher. She walked off and I looked at my dad and I said, oh Lord, who would ever want to be a teacher? And who would have known that 20 years later, I was a teacher and I was loving it. Just a little foreshadowing, right? Yes, I love that. I just love how that happens in life. I know. It's so, yeah, you have, I don't know. You don't have to. I do. I believe in that. I totally believe in it. Oh. So, one thing that I always like to think about is one of the commencement speeches that Steve Jobs gave, where he said in life, you as you're living life, a lot of times you can't see how the dots all connect mm-hmm. or are connecting. It's only in retrospect when you look back on your life, you can see how all of the dots have connected and brought you to where you are today. And so when I look at my journey, I think my journey has actually been perfect. I have a background in finance, so I know money and I know how to run a business. Now I run my own business. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the teaching was just a training ground for being a life coach. And I'm so grateful for it. Okay, so we'll just go right into that then. How did you get into the life coaching? So my sister-in-law also reminded me, just a little sidebar here. My sister-in-law reminded me when when I got into life coaching that... She said, remember, Maureen, when I first met you, you said the one thing that you would love to do is be like a talk show host or a reporter and talk to people all day and interview people. Oh, you'd be great at that. Yeah, for sure. Well, in many ways, that's what I do with coaching. Right. right. Yeah. So again, it was like the seeds were already kind of being planted and I had no idea where it was all going to end up. So when I was a school teacher, I started to really get interested in um, the brain and how the brain works and why we do things and why we don't do things and our spiritual connection. And I started reading about coaching. And I noticed many, many years ago, Martha Beck on an Oprah episode, and she was talking about life coaching. And I thought, isn't that intriguing? And fast forward, I signed up for Martha Beck's program while I still was a teacher. And I did her program, and it was amazing. And I started coaching people around me. Martha Beck was, is, she kind of was the first life coaching certification program, correct? Yeah, she was like first on the scene. she's the mother of... Life coaching. Right. And what was so funny about her was her background, too, was she fell into it. She was a school teacher. And she was teaching at Thunderbird International Business School out in Arizona. And students were hanging out just wanting to get coached by her. And so then she just became a coach. And um, so I did her program, and I started coaching people around me. And I started coaching what I know, which is divorce and single parenting. And a few years ago, I took the leap. I, instead of coaching and teaching, which was exhausting, I decided that I would take the big leap and leave teaching behind and become a coach full time. And that's when you 
showed up here at the estuary. Yes. The fabulous estuary here in Nashville. Okay, we're going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about your book. And you stated on your website, I'm now incredibly grateful for that experience because of what I discovered about myself and the process and the life I found as a result. But even more so because I'm now able to help and support others as they navigate their own divorces and find themselves again. So how did, so the book came from your experience, obviously. Right, right. I think in life that when things happen to you, Maya Angelou said something like this, when you learn, teach. And I just felt like I had achieved a PhD in divorce and single parenting. It was not smooth. There were so many bumps along the way. And I, and then what happened was people started to show up on my doorstep. People within my community at the school would call me and say, I saw what you went through and I saw the way you handled yourself and this is happening to me now. Can we have a, can we talk? And there's such, oh my gosh, there's such a, niche for that because I didn't understand it until I got divorced because people get divorced every day. Mm. I mean, it's pretty, it's very prevalent. Over 50% of the marriages end in divorce. I mean, my parents were divorced. Oh, they got divorced when I was like nine and that was in the late sixties. People weren't doing that then. And And it's really interesting because a girl that I was friends with in elementary school and we're still very close and we had a time where we weren't and then we picked back up and it was like we had never missed a beat. But she said something to me one time. She said, you know, I think one of the bonds between us or how we really connected was that, you you know, her parents were divorced too. And that we didn't know anybody else that were divorced, but how that, form this bond between us because we understood something that, you know, we had this, this, we could rely on each other. But it's so common that I think everybody thinks it's just like, well, this is what we do. But unless you've had one, it it's the most, I've had some pretty devastating things happen in my life. And that's right up there with one of them. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, oh, yeah. it's it, it, just because it's, it's, it's common it's devastating. It's life changing, not just for you, but for your children, for your whole, your and spirituality, everything. Right, and financially, your health, mm-hmm. financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of um, clients that come in and they really want to hold on, and they want to hold on to the dream and the hope and the fantasy. But what I can see is happening is it's not only affecting them emotionally or maybe financially but it really is affecting their health and that's something that we really have to be careful with and a lot of times we don't even consider is how it can really hurt your health in the long run if you're in a situation that is not optimal for you so the other thing I wanted to just share about um, working in divorce is This whole idea of 
um, coaching from a place of your hell and back. My hell was divorce and single parenting. And I came back from it. And now I'm in a place where I can guide others through this process. Because if you are still in your hell, maybe you can't help others get through it. But once you get to the other side, it's almost like you were given that experience for maybe a reason. And now you can help others through it. And that's the way I see it. Well, and I always go back to my 12 steps, but it's like the 12th step. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to share this with other people. I mean, because we've had this, our experience, strength and hope, now we can give this to other people. Yeah, you can. And help them along the way. Right, right. You can help guide them through it now. And then you're helping other women help other women, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, yes. Do, Do you see any men or is it just women? I have talked to a few men, definitely, um, and they've been wonderful to work with. The thing about uh, a man, too, is when you give them like an assignment, um, they go off and do it and come right back. I mention a book, they'll come back the next week and say, I've read it, give me another one. They're just hungry for it. I think it's because women will talk about these things with their friends, and they might watch a talk show, and they may gain some knowledge and some comfort from it. A lot of times men are out there on their own. And so when they come in here and we have a conversation, they are hungry for it. And so I've had really great success with working with men going through this situation as well. And the one thing that I really like to do with my clients is share with them this idea of moving away from the emotion of divorce or the emotion of co-parenting into the business of divorce and the business of co-parenting is putting on that business suit, that business hat, and thinking with your mind, thinking through all of these important decisions that have to be made and kind of push the emotions aside for the moment. Well, because we know there, there can be a lot of resentment and anger. Yes. <laughs> and that's hard to step out of there's there's gosh i haven't really even thought about this in a long time but there's 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 so much complexity to a divorce too i mean you know a marriage is as a well it's an emotional agreement but the the life but when it comes to divorce time we're not you're not sitting in the attorney's office talking about your emotions you're talking about finance um and you hope you are because Attorneys are expensive. They are expensive. You know? <laughs> and they like to kind of make it last a long time. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's um, really helpful to be working with someone that's shoring you up emotionally and getting you in, into that headspace of being into the business mindset of, okay, this is our divorce and let's leave the emotions at the door. Because part of your book is about the energy that you put backwards, I guess, in, in, instead of moving forward. That may not be the way you say it, but that, that's kind of what I take from it is that let's move forward in this and stop getting caught up in the emotional piece of it. That can keep us kind of from moving forward, right? Or Yeah, yeah. It's kind of this idea of are you past-focused or future-focused? Mm-hmm. 
And past focused is is really beneficial for for some times with your therapist or the coach. But in life, you're going to have to decide, do you want to keep looking back or do you want to start looking forward? And that kind of segues into the whole idea of therapy versus coaching. Yes, and that's what I wanted to talk to because I think a lot of people have that question because there are therapists and um and psychotherapy does get into feelings and why we do what we do and and um and then there's life coaching. So yeah, so you tell us what tell us what the difference is for you. For you. Yeah, the way I like to look at it is, you know, coaching and therapy are great for different things. Therapy is more for digging into and making sense of the past. So a lot of it is looking back. It is. Mm. That's right. And then coaching is for creating a future vision and then turning it into reality. So life coaches clarify goals with their clients, focus on breaking patterns that are causing um, our clients to get stuck in their path to success. So we look at like thought patterns and when we're looking at certain thought patterns or thoughts that may keep us in this endless loop and prevent us from moving forward, we may go back and say, well, where did that thought even start? I was going to say, now that sounds similar to therapy in some ways, because we do that too. Right. Right. Well, and the client may say, I remember my father told me that. And the whole idea is, well, this is the way I like to look at it. Every thought and every belief you have is completely up for debate. You don't have to hold on to any of them. You get to take control of your mind. Instead of letting your brain run the show you run the show and that's where it's very action motivated and okay we have this thought is it serving you no let's see if we can get rid of it and replace it with a better thought a thought that will move you forward what you're saying kind of reminds me of um byron katie I, had to, I always have because her first name so she, she's got a last name that's first name first name yes. is last name. i always have to think before i say it what's she's got four Yes, she has four questions, and I love to refer to Byron Katie sometimes with certain clients um, because it can be very effective. When a client has a certain thought, the first question is, is that true? And most people feel like, yeah, I, I do think it's true. Well, that, we end up making it our reality. whether Right. But the next question is really powerful. Are you 100% true? Are you 100% certain that it's true? That's where you get a little wiggle room and people go, well, maybe not 100%. That's right. Uh-huh. And how do you feel when you have that thought? And how do you react when you have that thought? And how do you treat others when you have that thought? And it's really digging deep. Byron Katie calls it a meditation. Uh-huh. And the reason she calls it that is you just keep going deeper and deeper to really see how that thought, holding on to that thought, how it can really affect how you're living your life. And then we get to the place where do you really want to hold on to it? And then we we go through a method of trying to get rid of the thought. So if I came to you for some life coaching and what would be some, I'm thinking, okay, going through my divorce, that would be one. Uh, Career change. Yes. 
Um, what would be some other? There's a lot of clients that come in their 50s. Um, maybe their children are getting ready to go off to college. So at a fork in the road. Fork in the road. They're like, I don't know what's next. I'm not sure what I want to do. And that's what I mentioned when we first started talking today is kind of tapping into uh, the essence of who they are. Well, who are you? And a lot of people have forgotten who they are. And so it's that rediscovery. Who are you? What brings you joy? What brings you passion? What holds your uh, curiosity? And we start with that. And the, the funny thing about that is we start there, but what then follows after it is all the limiting thoughts and negative thoughts around it. Like someone may say, you know what? I always love to draw and I would love to get into the art somehow. And then what follows up is, yeah, but that's kind of silly. I mean, I probably won't make any money at it. Well, I think that's funny that that's the thought we have with it. Yeah. Yeah, like where did the thought come from? It didn't... Well, I mean, why do you have to make... I mean, well, some people have to make... They have to make a living, but I mean... And most people do, but also why can't you just do something because you love to do it? It doesn't have to be your career necessarily, but why do we not... How do we get stuck in this place where we don't think we can... Yeah. do what we really want to do and find our passion, which is kind of what this podcast is about when I'm interviewing people that really have had the courage to really follow their dreams and really step out there. Well, it's scary, and there's a, there's so many rules. If it's not rules from your family of origin, it's societal rules. Why would you do that? That's, that doesn't sound like it's going to be successful. That doesn't make sense. Why would you do it? And we have all these thoughts running around in our brain, which is holding us back. And we, as a species, are designed to always kind of worry about things. Well, initially it was very important because if you didn't, you were going to get eaten Eaten. (laughs) right yeah it was going to be a (laughs) saber-toothed tiger or something so i mean you had to so that is that is in us to to be aware of that um the conditions are a little different now right Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm yeah i think it's really cool i've noticed that i want to say more younger people but i can say all four of my children are are not on a traditional path but I've noticed in general younger people are feeling some are feeling okay by stepping back from what you should do and just things like starting the creating their own businesses which is really scary um and really having the courage to do that and it's working that's just incredible. And and that's another segment of my client population, young people who want to create their own path and be, and they are entrepreneurs. But boy, when you're an entrepreneur, that kicks up a whole lot of limiting beliefs and thoughts and a lot of times they'll come in and say, I'm really worried about myself because sometimes I don't feel happy or I don't feel motivated. Oh. And the, what I tell them is the good news is 
life is 50-50. Life is 50% positive emotion and 50% negative emotion. Our existence is very dualistic. We have to have both. I was going to say, this is Kabbalah. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> we can't be happy if we don't know sadness. We can't be motivated if we don't know boredom. And so when I share that with them, there's always great relief. They always think, oh my gosh, there's nothing wrong with me. And that's what I, I do that with my clients too. And they're like, what? I go, oh yeah, those exist together, right? And if you can stay with both of those, we call it holding both of those. If you can stay with both of those and wait, what happens? The third thing is created. Yeah. Right? Right. And the third thing would be whatever it is they're wanting to create there. Mm. It's so cool. It is. It really is. But this is what I think. When I was growing up, I knew that life was 50-50. I certainly was bored quite a bit. Right? I think today the challenge with these young people is that they have Facebook and Instagram and and all this social social media <clears throat> and on social media everyone looks like they're having a great time and so when they don't feel great they think there's something wrong with them but right. but the good news is as i mentioned that there's just always such great relief when i said no 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 you're not supposed to be happy 100% of the time or motivated it's yeah, okay. I, I think a lot of us think that we should be happy and I don't know I don't even know where the message came from sometimes because I mean I grew up kind of thinking that and then if it's not there's something wrong with me and um life just isn't like that at all is it right so I know that the estuary now offers a life uh coaching course so tell me how tell me about that and is it different than others and, and mm-hmm. how the estuary is in a unique place? Mm-hmm. Very <laughs> and, unique. And so how do some of those um, qualities of the estuary show up in life coaching? Right. So Susan Austin Crumpton, who is the founder and creator of the estuary, um, she decided to put together this certified life coaching program here at the Estuary and combine all of her knowledge and her passions into a coaching program. And that's what makes it unique because Susan um, is a therapist and a coach and- A teacher. And a teacher. And she is an energetic healer and knows a and she's a rock star. I just want to <laughs> say that. Oh yeah, she's she's the mm, the mother energy. I think for sure mm. for so many of us. I'll speak for myself, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. And she knows so much about the chakra energetic system in the body. She knows so much about Kabbalah, and. She sat down with a group of us, and there are several coaches here at the estuary, and she shared her vision, and we 
helped her put something together. And it is incredible because it combines all of those teachings. And the other unique thing about it, not only does it combine the energetic components, the Kabbalah, um, the uh, coaching tools and techniques, but the other unique thing about it is it meets weekly and it meets here in person. And when the students come here in person, they get Susan. And Susan is just incredible. Well, and when Susan teaches, she teaches... It's, it's energetic. So it's, it's more of an experience. So that's unique in itself versus, and this is not to diss an online program or not being in person because they're good too. But there's something a little different about when you have a teacher that's holding an energy, um, it just gives you a different experience than you would online or somewhere else. Because I know that's just such the trend now that it's it's not as many courses are taught in person as they as there used to be. That's so that right. is so that is really cool. And you meet for what, nineteen seventeen weeks. Seventeen weeks. Right. And it's very transformative. The the students that come in here, they don't necessarily realize when the 17 weeks are over that they will have also gone through a transformation. Because it's not just like traditional school where you get a book and you read the material and you take a test. They are experiencing it. Right. Right. Which is completely different. Mm -hmm. So they've gone through this experience. Well, that's kind of what, I mean, and I didn't have anybody holding any energy, but even in grad school, it was like, yeah, okay, well, we were learning a bunch of stuff about counseling. And I was having this experience, this growing up experience, you know, there was something else going on. I think I took more from that than I did almost the, um, you know, the knowledge piece. Yeah. You know what? It makes me think of this expression. Like when you were in grad school, you said you gained so much from it. It's when the student is ready, the teacher appears and you were ready for that information and that knowledge. I waited a long time. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was like it, 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 it was after a divorce and after and going, going through. I never thought I would go back to school. I mean, I raised four children. It was like that was going to be my whole life. Well, life changed. And it was like, well, yeah, I'm still the mother of four children. I'm not somebody's wife anymore. And wow, who am I now? Because I think especially women, we have to continue, our roles continue to change. I mean, you know, your children are young and and you play a certain part in their lives. Then they get a little older and you play a different part in their life. And then they get old. I mean, I'm still the mother of four children. They're all grown. I still play a part in there, but I have to redefine who I am as I go through life. Yeah. Absolutely. This and is, I just think that's really hard for women because some of them really stay attached to, <laughs> to certain pieces. Like I see a lot of women that stay attached to just being a mom and like hyper-focused on that. And these kids are, have their own families now. And it's like, I think they're really kind of lost. And they, they need to... They're your client. They yeah, need to be your clients. They that's, need to come see me. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So 
you teach a lot of classes and have a lot of workshops too, right? Yes, I love that. And when I stepped away from teaching, I didn't realize how much I had loved teaching. And so I feel very fortunate that I'm able to uh, create and run workshops here at the estuary. I have one coming up um, soon on the Law of Attraction, which is very, very popular. Um, I've done a few on the Enneagram. I do a few on thoughts and how your thoughts could be holding you back. Um, I've done some on dream analysis. So whatever, whatever is kind of my fancy, I kind of throw something together and just love sharing it with the community of people that show up here at the estuary. Which is a wide variety of people. Absolutely. Especially with so many new people moving to Nashville. Um, I, think, I think the estuary is just a very unique place for transformation. It is. And I find with my clients, I don't know about you, that most of them really aren't native Nashvilleans. I mean, we, we seem to be a lot of word of mouth. I know, I know we used to, you could hear about us on NPR a little bit. I think we had something right. running on there. But we're word of mouth, but it does seem like that it's a lot of people from, from um, out of town that are... They're hungry for this. They are. They are. They may have... And, and they're a little lost, I think. I think moving to a new... T- they're very excited about being here and having a hard time connecting and looking for a place to connect. And this is a great place to connect. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things here. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. So that's great. You had an illness several years ago, and I guess it continues, or I don't... Can you tell us what that was and is and how you've kind of dealt with that? Yes. Um, December of 2016, I was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is an autoimmune syndrome where my immune system was attacking the myelin sheath of my nerves. In some ways, it's, it's similar to MS. And prior to that, I've had a, a very healthy life. So it really kind of stopped me in my tracks. And um, I was hospitalized for a week. And when I came out of it, it, it just made me reevaluate everything. And I didn't reevaluate everything in a moment. I've been reevaluating everything for the last three years as I've been moving through it and gaining my health back. And the one thing that I do know is here at the estuary, we talk a lot about mind, body, and spirit. I do the same thing with my coaching. But having lived something like this makes me realize how important our mind is to our health and how important stress is. And and the, the presence of stress can really affect our health in ways that we don't even realize because that has been the common thread being a single parent navigating divorce there's been this element of stress or this thread of stress through my life that i thought wouldn't affect me well and going back to the fight or flight 
it used to be really the only stress was to be eaten. I mean, you know, it, it, there, there wasn't a lot of stress. And as man developed, life got more and more stressful. And now we run, we don't, we don't, we don't go from fight or flight or we're, we're, we're in it all the time. We are so, we, we in are it. so the bar is right there. We don't have, we don't regulate in it at all. Um, that's what we're trying to do here is help people deregulate, you know, learn that we have control over that. Well, to another one, be aware that how high it is and then how we have control over this. Right, right. Our minds, we have control over our minds, like you're saying. Yes, we do. We do. That controls our body. <laughs> absolutely. And you're absolutely right about this whole idea of we, as the human species, were we were perfectly designed to be able to call on that fight or flight when we were in a really dangerous situation. But then we would go back into a state of rest. And our current lives are just so full of stress that we just take for granted. We don't even realize it. It could be out driving the car, could be stressful. So we're in this heightened fight or flight or freeze and we don't move into rest and digest. And I love the expression of rest and digest because you know our gut is, is connected to our brain. And I thought I was superwoman. I thought I had it all together and I ate well and everything. But the one thing that I didn't realize was that I was dealing with such a high level of stress all the time that I think that's kind of what tipped me over and um, brought me into that place of experiencing autoimmune syndrome. And fortunately, it is cl classified as autoimmune syndrome, not a disease. Like it's gone. However, there's still a few lingering symptoms. So that has become my new passion. And what's interesting is what the universe is delivering to me in terms of clients. I'll have a client come in, maybe talking about um, being stuck and not knowing how to move forward their business. And we end up talking about their physical health. And I'm able to share so much because that has been my hell and back, another hell and back that I'm able to share with my clients. And you've, were you, were you doing something around or doing a certification around nutrition or am I making that up? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I know you're using some of that and studying a lot of that to incorporate in your practice, right? Yes. Uh, Amazon is coming to my house daily. I'm obsessed with uh, the topic, and I have so many books on it, but I have not taken a course. Okay, okay. No, I just took another um, coaching program, though, with uh, the Life Coach School and Brooke Castillo, which has just been incredible to elevate my coaching skills to mm -hmm. even another level. I'm just, um, I just can continue to learn, and it's that's kind of my passion, too. And then as I learn then I can go out and teach. And I think it's, I think it's talking about your uh, going through this uh, illness. It just helps you show up better for your clients, right? Mm -hmm. To understand another piece. I mean, not that, not that you got that so you could do that, but that you're able to share that experience. Yeah, that's one way. You know, I mean out of the bad things, mm -hmm. there 
not there's a reason for them, but there's perhaps some um, meaning um, and that you're able to relate to your clients in a different way because of it. Well, that's really one way of looking at life too, isn't it? Instead of the idea of why is this happening to me and having that exasperation is kind of changing the, the tone of the question and being more curious, why is this happening to me? Or it's not happening to me, it's happening for me. So this happened for me so I can learn to move into rest and digest more. I can take care of my health more on that level and then turn around and share what I've learned with others. And you know, one in five people in the United States has autoimmune and it's on the rise. And when we think of autoimmune, we think of MS, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's. So it's out there and I'm happy to share what I know having experienced it. And who, you know, we don't know exactly why all these things happen to us, but I think we have learned that we do have the ability to maybe help prevent some of them by looking at ourselves in a different way and having a lot of awareness about ourselves, right? Yeah. I mean, not to say if you were doing everything right, it still wouldn't, but but why not? <laughs> right? I mean, we've got a lot better chance. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. They say that genetics is the gun, but envi- the, your environment will pull the trigger. Exactly. And when we think of the trigger, it could be so many different things. And it's just an opportunity for us, if we choose to, to look at our life and say, what am I eating? Am I sleeping? Am I, um, am I experiencing joy? Um, what is my stress level? Because we can't have joy in the midst of, uh, I'm gonna pick the word calamity, but you you know. Chaos. Chaos, chaos, yeah. Those exist together. Um, and it's possible, right? Is there something that we have not talked about that you would like to share before we close? Um, boy, we talked about a lot of things today. We did. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I have to have it. I just well, if there no. was something, you know, it's, it's our last chance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the one thing that I love to mention, and we, we did touch on it, is for your listeners, too, is to really get in touch with that part of themselves, their essence, and, and tap into what is joyful for them. And start to bring a little bit more of that into their life. And, and, and then just see how that translates into a more healthy life for them. Because, you know, our, our society... Life is short. Life is short. And our society keep, tells us to go, 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 go. But I think it's time to slow down a little bit. I know. It's not... It, I don't think we're... 
I don't think they tell us it's okay to slow down. Mm-hmm. I mean, they say, oh, we need to meditate. Oh, we need to be mindful. That's the buzzword right now, mindful. I don't, I don't know if people even know how to be mindful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's like, okay, every, you know, when you're a little kid, they say, okay, now it's nap time. Everybody get your little mats out and we're going to take a nap. Um, you know, adults don't do that. Right. Right. But we need to. Well, if we the, want, if we if we need that, I mean, you know, if it's time, it's okay. It's okay to put the to put the mat down and and lay down for a minute. And well, um, our culture really values productivity and almost and almost acts like sleep is a nuisance. And I think we just have to start going against the the norm out there and. We mentioned how we were perfectly designed to live a certain way and not be in fight or flight all the time. So also to go back to this whole idea of how were we perfectly designed to live? What did our ancestors do? Let's bring some of that back into our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So if you want to get, (laughs) if you want to find some joy and get your life, (laughs) get your life going in a different way than it has been, um... How do we reach you, Maureen? Tell us, tell us all the ways. Okay, well, um, you can reach me at Maureen at Maureen-Doyle.com. That is my website, Maureen-Doyle.com. Okay. You can also reach me here at the Estuary, Maureen Doyle at theestuary.org. And or just theestuary.org, and you can go to staff and see everything going on. That's right. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, thank you. This was really fun. It was really fun to be in our room and be together and um, learn a lot more about what you do. I learned a lot about you that I didn't know. Isn't that funny? I I feel like the same thing. We've been sharing this room and and yet we're really going a little bit deeper here today. That was really fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. This project would not be possible without the help of my son, Addison Armstead, who composed the intro and outro music, my son-in-law, Scott Greer, for the logo he designed, and my friend, Amy Christiansen, who wrote and edited various texts to the show. Lastly, I want to thank you, the listener, for whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am.